0: You are watching Intuitive Public Radio. This is Max Morris. And in a moment, as soon as I hit the right buttons, I'm going to talk with Jill Kesty. Oh, I did it. Hi. Hello. How are Let's you? Let's see if the sound works okay. Oh, I'm managing this by the skin of my teeth every single time I do it. <laughs> um, let me make sure I can hear you but we don't have sound artifacts okay I think we're all right
1: sounds good on this end
0: I keep feeling like I shouldn't be able to get away with recording these without earphones that that I'm gonna cause some terrible um, sound phenomena and a lot of times it's not happening but my brain is pretty sure that I'm missing something. So I'm watching for it. I'm watching to understand. (sighs) Thank you for, thank you for making time for
1: this. This is a wonderful for me and you got me at the right time. I'm in the middle of renovation, like you know, so this is a good break for me. And I feel like I'm still doing the work I've been doing the past five years by talking with you today.
0: I have really been enjoying your videos on YouTube. I don't know if there's a way for us to, I, I don't think we can say the link. I think we need to point people to facebook.com slash, is it Sisu Creative, S-I-S-U, all one word, Sisu Creative 23, do I have that right? That's I, correct. I didn't, I didn't even look at it, Jill. Sisu
1: means, Sisu is bravery. It's a Finnish word for guts and determination.
0: I'm so glad to know that. Sisu. Yeah, it's, a,
1: it's a very. Sisu came from Finland. Yep. It's a. It's a special word, and that's why I chose it. Because um, doing what we do is is. Um, it takes guts. It takes determination to stand up to the mainstream narrative and to get our messages out there.
0: In your videos on YouTube, which are being posted, at least sometimes at that, I know I've seen you post a few of them um, on the Facebook page for the Coalition to End Forced Psychiatric Drugging. Um, In the videos, you talk about a project you've been working on, I don't know how long, I wonder how long, called the Van Gogh Hospital. Um, yeah, and I wonder if you could say a few things about that.
1: Well, um, it all started 15, 20 years ago now when I had my first episode. Um, I like to call them psycho-spiritual breakthroughs as opposed to psychosis. And when I had my first episode, I didn't experience a terrible time in the hospital, um, but I knew, I knew after I had been released that there needs to be something better something that works with the emotions, something that um, helps people who are in very extreme crisis and who um, don't wish to be put into a psychiatric ward. Um, I knew after the first episode that I didn't ever want to go back to a psychiatric ward, even though I didn't experience a lot of bad things there the first time. Well, fast forward to 15 years later, I had my, um, I believe it was my 7th or 8th psychiatric stay, and the last four psychiatric stays that I've had were terrible, and they included um, forced drugging and being held down and injected against my will when I wanted to be off of these medications. And um, basically, the Havango Hospital has just been an idea, and it's still an idea, and it, it, it models uh, probably would be very similar to a, an emergency peer respite. And I call it Van Gogh Hospital because I think of Van Gogh and how he suffered back in the 1800s and how he could have used some serious serious help um, that maybe back then they didn't have they didn't have um, opportunity to provide the emotional, spiritual and mental support that I envision would be part of a Van Gogh hospital. Um, something that included tapering protocols to help people who don't want to be on medications. That is the choice we don't have currently when we are put into a psych ward, we're given medications. And if you have been tapering off of these, like I was, I was tapering and getting off of my medications for several years, and then I was forced up So all of that effort that I took to try to get balanced without medications was thrown out the window and now I've been on medications for the last three years. If there would have been a Van Gogh hospital for me four years ago, um, I wouldn't be on these drugs again and I wouldn't be experiencing the side effects that I am. And uh, I just see it as as a good working idea and I'm in the process of starting the vet like I said the or like you said the YouTube channel to try to get more awareness yeah more information out to people about how we just need an option we need a second choice an option that won't work work.
0: an option that that doesn't hurt so many people who then can't express what's happened um my My first experience with a psychiatric hospital um, was not what I thought was out there. Um, I knew that there were bad situations in hospitals. I didn't know how bad they were and how hard it is to even find one that I don't know what words to use. It's a very challenging subject for me to talk about. Um, often, almost impossible unless I'm talking to someone um, and someone who who has any knowledge of, of how them, I, I, I don't even know what word I want to use, mental health system work. I, I, I was talking to someone recently who calls it the mental illness system. <laughs> um, And uh, I think that most people without the experience of going to a psychiatric hospital or similar really has no idea what they would find there if they had a crisis and that was their only
1: option. Um, It causes more trauma, at least in the last four times for me. I was completely traumatized by the experience, and somebody who's experiencing trauma should not be traumatized. <laughs> they need to be. Need. <laughs> they need well,
0: one one thing in particular. That's that, oh, go ahead. Sorry, we got tangled up. No, go ahead. What was profoundly disturbing for me is that. When I was in the hospital, they took away all of my creative coping mechanisms. They took away all of my art and music and ability to express myself easily and ignored neurological damage and ignored uh, a variety of things I said in order to protect my own well being.
1: the audio is kind of, um, I can't understand you a lot. The audio is a little bit um, sketchy. Hmm. If it's not any
0: better in a moment.
1: It's like um, skipping.
0: Hmm. I wonder if there's something that I can.
1: Is, is it working for you on my
0: It's a It's sort of in and out. Well, we might have to try again sometime soon um, which which would be cheery for me. I like to talk to you um, <laughs> uh I don't know I don't know if the stream is likely to recover sometimes it does recover. Let me make sure that I don't have any tabs open.
1: maybe if I move around a little bit. Any better? Oh, it's still skipping.
0: Um, Well, we know that the internet may do things that we can't control. Um, Yeah. It's up to you. We can can sort of, of. (laughs) (laughs) we just have to give each other more space because we have more of a delay. So, um, I'll just try to say the thing that I was saying and see if it gets through to you and if if it gets too choppy, that's working. eight, eight it's working okay. Um, if it gets too choppy or we get too tired, let's just Three. jump off and we'll come back. but um, well, it 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 seemed it seemed very, very deeply weird to me that when I was in greatest crisis, the, the, the people with the only option decided that I shouldn't have any of my creative or uh, relieving coping mechanisms. Oh, I think we're chopped up again. And when that's so normative that people don't even really talk about it um, at least in certain parts of the culture, th- that something is really weird. There, I think if, if people knew how easy it would be for them to have taken away from them everything that that would help them recover, um, the, that I think people would think that was really, really weird. And I, I wonder. How much people ever think about it now, but of course, the landscape of the whole thing has changed since COVID 19, and we're only starting to learn how.
1: I only come back. that. I think I think the cope mechanism that I love as well, we're not allowed. I use my phone for everything, and that's where my supports are, through my page and get from people movement. And I talked to my phone away in three weeks. I was unable to take my bills, and I wasn't able to check my just that act alone taking your cell phone away is in people who use their phone to cope.
0: Yeah, that's um I heard I heard part of it. I imagine it might have been something like your experience trying to get my signals too. Um why don't we why don't we plan to try this again soon? Cause it doesn't seem like it's really chilling and it could be some internet thing that I'm not aware of that I won't even discover until I turn it off. But I know I know that this can happen sometimes. So prepared. Um, I, I will put links to the coalition to end forced psychiatric drugging uh, where, wherever I can uh, I think I can get the, that into the comments of the video too, and I, I hope I hope to try this at our next opportunity and have calmer internet waves.
1: Yes, we can try again.
0: Thank you very much for participating in this wonderful experiment with me.
1: I I'm willing to. And sometime anytime and we'll talk we can get the- <laughs>
0: thank you blessings
1: good to see you namaste thank you
0: my life has been off this whole time how silly of me Hello, I've been talking to you, I apologize.
1: That much sounds much better.
0: It, it seems like we are more in sync and maybe we will stay that way. We were talking about having our creative tool sets being taken away among other things. Yeah. Which is really, 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 really counterproductive. Um, I will be back to the camera momentarily. I have a, um, I have a, Complicated, uh, half-broken tech Frankenstein equipment for radio broadcasting. Um, let's see. What, it, can, you, can you say what you remember of our of our conversation, and we'll figure out where we where we want to pick up.
1: Yeah, talking about coping and um, being traumatized, like ward by having your coping mechanism taken away. And I was brought five hours away to a hospital. So I was five hours away from my two cats. My two cats are my biggest support. The only support I have other than my boyfriend. He's not even here. But five hours from my home without a cell phone, I was unable to pay my bills. Thank goodness my boyfriend picked that up for me and, and took care of my bills for me. I do everything on my phone, so I wasn't. I I didn't find out until about a week and a half in that I could even access my phone, and get him the information so that he could pay my bills. They didn't tell me that. Wow. And um,
0: I, I hear I hear stories like that a lot. I hear I hear people say, um, "Couldn't maintain work, couldn't maintain relationships because of what was required by the." mental health
1: restoring process right and the biggest problem i have with the psych ward um and i and i I've, I've put this on my coalition page several times now um the netherlands i think they have um recently in the last year ordered that there be free beds in the psych wards So that people who have worked hard, really hard years come off of these medications that are very strong to taper off them takes a long time and to have that effort thrown to the wayside and then you're in the hospital with tons of drugs against your will, and they don't take into any account the work you've done to maintain your balance without these medications. Personally, I about five years could get. I mean, I actually I went six years in the last twenty years without any medications. My mm-hmm. psychiatrist he uh, had helped me to get off of them. I up, and I was off for six years. Most, um, productive years. Last years that I've had, I experienced. Um, I, I moved up in my team. i was working. I bought my first house off of the medication, I I was doing great. Um, unfortunately, after that, I experienced a, a horrific downfall where I lost my job, I uh, went to jail. I I uh, went to the psych ward, and I was uh, my job there returned, and that led to going back on medication, and I did that of my own free will. Because at that time, I still believed the mainstream narrative that these drugs absolutely necessary for the supposed disease that I had. Sure. So I went back on them, and then um, I tried to get back off them again, and I went, you know, a couple years tapering off of them. And I was, I had to move. I moved up to the UP, where I'm now the end and I tried getting off, and and then had a I I had a, and I was forced. That was my first experience, forced to take medications via a court order. And a lot of people don't even know that that's possible that the court can come and up with a psychiatrist at the hospital and make it so that you must take these drugs. Well, that's why I started the coalition to end forced psychiatric drugging because Nobody should be forced into taking serious psychotropic neurotox that will affect your brain and your body for the rest of your life.
0: And if you look at the, if you you start looking into the research and you find some disturbing things, and then you keep going and you find more disturbing things, and then you start asking questions in 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 professional environments about whoa, well, the, the, maybe this doesn't make sense or maybe this doesn't make sense. And nobody really has any answers for it in those professional contexts. I, I got a lot of blank stares. The doctors and the professionals who support the doctors, I guess, I mean, I keep questioning myself about whether whether I'm really right about this, but it comes up over and over again. All of those professionals don't even seem to know what it means to taper off of those drugs, um, or or the extreme experiences that that patients and ex-patients have when they when they try to do that, and they find out just how hard it is. It's a horrific, apocalyptic experience. Um, yes. And when the professionals are prescribing the drugs so readily, but don't know. Anything about how one gets off them? I'm feeling um, nonverbal shock. That's what it is. I feel that several times a day, at least.
1: I agree. They um, the drugs in general. They just prescribe them, and they don't even know how people react to them. You can't even trust them for tapering because they're so uneducated on how to safely taper off these drugs. They have no idea. They just say, just stop stop taking them or take half half for another week. And, you know, they don't have any idea the horror that can come. I laid in bed for a year and a half. When I first got to the upper peninsula, I laid in bed for a year and a half. I couldn't function. I couldn't listen to, to the media. I couldn't listen to television. I couldn't listen to the radio. I couldn't to the songs playing with lyrics because the lyrics of anything would spin my mind off into the most horrible directions. Nightmares, visions, daily of of torture, death, horrible, horrible visions in mind. Um, and they say I have to take these drugs to stop those things. Well, those things were brought about because of the drugs and the too quick coming off of them. I, I didn't know what I, was I did. what I thought was right. And I ended up in a horrible, horrible space for a year and a half. Uh, that is the key that people don't understand is because they can't see what's going on in a person's mind. And that's why I decided to do YouTube videos because I can speak quicker than I can writing. And should tell. People, I plan on looking into my documents and explaining to people. You know, these are the types of things that happen. To people who go off of these drugs, um, or are in toxic from drugs. If you're taking too much, if you're on a cocktail, these things can happen. Um, I'd like to open people's minds up a little bit to understand. The help suffering involved. And, and to tell them, you know, to teach, them that that's why we need an option, um, a psych ward. You can't stay there long term, although a lot of people have stayed in, you know, months at a time. I, I don't know. I, I've only been there for three weeks at the most. And then I'm supposed to recover home. Well, the Van Gogh Hospital would hopefully be a go through a tapering process. Maybe it'll take a year um inner fire have you heard of inner Fire?
0: can you say that one more time
1: inner fire the program inner fire i don't know that i have it's a basically it's what i would cut would want at a medical hospital they have they have mental emotional spiritual creative um supports there with with a a huge staff the problem with inner fire is it costs four hundred and eleven dollars a day oh that is thousands of dollars per year and they have a year program
0: so Um, inner fire inner fire
1: my goal is to make an a sort of a vanguard hospital that would be you know a fourth of the price or a quarter of the price something cheaper i don't know what they do there but they obviously pay a lot of professionals for four hundred and eleven dollars a day but those types of things I would like to model the hospital after the, the types of things that have on there. They have nutrition support, they have medication support, they have tapering support, they have therapy, they have ER, they have the whole, as much as you could possibly need. And I'm sure the rich people are enjoying that. It's a nice option for them to have. However, we are, I am a poor person and um, as far as I can tell, most people don't have $11 a day to spend on their mental health. And, um, you know, we need, we need to make these programs cheaper and, and make them free for people who, are in and who can't support themselves. And like I said, my Van Gogh Hospital idea is, is basically a, a peer rescue, an emergency clinic that is other than the hospital. Um, coalition offers, you know, we have several ideas for solutions to this huge problem. Uh, emergency peer respites, um, Soteria House. Um, Soteria House, yeah. There's, a, there's a place called, or in Sweden, they have Healing Homes.
0: Healing um, Homes. Healing I haven't home. heard most of these. I've heard Soteria. Um, yeah. I think that's the only name. Inner Fire is not familiar to me. And you just said healing homes. Healing
1: homes—they have in Sweden, and they're very similar to the—I want to say the Open Dialogue program, where arm sort of type thing, and they stay with a family, and then they have um, they have therapy. They have Open Dialogue in Finland. So, I mean, I'm looking at all of the solutions across the world and seeing what everybody else is doing. The first thing we should do is to get medication-free beds for people who have, like I said, tapered. They could put that right into the institution that exists and create a space that people in the psych ward, when they're brought in, don't have to be forced back onto these drugs. Um,
0: So, what was that last part?
1: it should be our right to choose to not have drugs or have drugs.
0: Um, It's, it's horrifying that it is apparently not
1: our right to exactly make those choices. Um, I don't understand why it's not our right.
0: There's a lot of conversation to be had about what could possibly be going on. And it's lots of things probably. Um, But it, it, uh, it would seem to me to make the most sense if you are, if you are doing science and the, the, the living being that, that, that is experiencing difficulty um, is there with you, you would want to be able to communicate with that being and know what they needed so that they could get better. And you wouldn't want to do things that they said made them worse and then demonstrably made them worse. That wouldn't make sense to me. I remember I remember in ages past before a lot of things happened in my life. I remember. I remember coming up against the question like the people around me were talking about something and I, I, I found myself asking the question and they found themselves considering the question, um, whatever ways we were all considering it. Um, do, you, do, you force, do you force help on someone? And I, I, I think terribly conspicuously, we were all too traumatized and stressed in our various ways to get very far into the question, the answer to which we did really need To know because if you don't know the answer to that question for yourself um, you find yourself in stressful situations and um, there are various I I don't know authorities and, and and like powerful different kinds of people and groups in the world that want you to do it their way and if you don't already know how you feel about it um if you haven't figured out the answer to that question by the time something really intense goes down in your life, you might find out the one and not the other. I'm not sure if I said what I meant to say. I hope that made sense.
1: I know. Exactly. If you don't know that you you would, would like things different, then you go along with the mainstream do what they tell you to do because you haven't researched in your heart enough to know or to trust that there is, there may be a different way. Um, the psychiatrists all seem to think that I must be on these medications for the rest of my life, and that's totally against what I believe now. But I didn't have that opinion until five years ago when I, when I came across the force and the coercion. I did not know, like you said, I hadn't investigated what I would want know that I have gone through it I know I don't want to be forced I know that I want to be off of these drugs and I know that it's possible because I went six years don't believe anymore I trust the system as it is and um, I'm sure I don't know if you know that the United Nations has declared that forced psychiatric drugging is torture. And the United Nations Convention on Rights of People with Disabilities, the CRPD, has declared that it is torture. Now, the United States has not signed that treaty, so we don't have a legal leg to stand on, but if that treaty were passed, we could take psychiatric hospitals to court and make them give another option to the drugging. You know, we could have, you know, another option would have to be created if if we pass this treaty, which the United Nations and 78, I think, countries have already agreed that forced psychiatric drugging is torture and wrong and that you need to give an option to people. And that's why, that's why, oh, it was Norway. That's who it was. It was Norway that demanded the, medication-free bed like wards good on no did that because of the CRPD, because they know that they have to give a choice so i work on the coalition trying to promote the crpd as well um if that convention were passed by the united states we would have we would all of a sudden see everybody creating open dialogue criteria, healing homes place that were in accordance with the treaty because we have not passed the treaty, we stuck where we're at with one option which is the psych ward and drugs. We need to have another option created. And there are peer respites. There are interior houses in the states. There is another, um, uh, there's one called, I think it's called First Door or something. It's in California. Uh, I, I don't know if it's called First Door. I, or first floor. I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to look it up for you and I'll do that. I'll send you a link. Um,
0: Do you happen to to remember when that happened at the UN? When, when, When the last change was? Because I was sort of aware that it was being talked about, but I wasn't sure if there was a very solid or definitive statement that I could promote. And of course, with my memory, I might have already promoted it and just forgotten.
1: Right. Um, I have only been following, I follow Tina Minkowitz. She is a, um, a psychiatric survivor who, who does, who did a lot of the writing for the convention. So, um, I actually called her when I was in the psych board last time and she gave me about 45 minutes of her time on the phone while I was in there. And she, what she said was just keep promoting it and keep trying to get people to to understand that we need this past. Um, and that is our best defense so far. Um, because the special reporter or reporter had had declared that that forced psychiatric drugging is torture, and that's what I promote. People are agreeing that this is torture oh, and yeah. being
0: it's held torture. and Sorry, I, I'm having, it's bubbling up out of me. One of the, one of the, the this, these momentous moments I have had is that, for, first, I just want to say Tina Minkowitz is amazing. Her work is amazing. And I don't, I don't know nearly as much about what she's doing as I would like to, but I've been sort of following from the edges and really, really appreciating her stuff. Minkowitz, M-I-N-K-O-W-I-T-Z. So people can look it up. Tina Minkowitz. Um, but um, the, this this momentous experience that I had, um, which I've momentarily forgotten, which is hilarious. If you think about it, what were we talking about?
1: <laughs> the CRPD, the Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities and whether it's torture.
0: To- right. A huge momentous experience in my life was after my hospital experiences um, after my um, voluntary, involuntary, involuntarily voluntary hospital stay, it was involuntary, but it wasn't involuntary. Wait, it was voluntary, but it. I can't. Um, was uh, a year or so after that, or a year and a half after that, I was listening to Madness Radio, which Will Hall produces, um, I think that's madnessradio.net, and it had an interview with, I think, a person who was a suicidologist who was studying statistics having to do with suicide, I think. And I think it was him who said, um, people I talk to who have been in forced uh, psychiatric hospitalization contexts talk about it as it were rape. Because the experiences of a violation of one's body and all of the different contexts and interactions that are going with that. And it has not stopped being rape for me. I haven't come to my senses and started thinking of the hospital as a place that really took care of me and was really in my best interest, even though I didn't understand it at the time. That's not what happened. I still recognize it as a extreme traumatic and sexually traumatic experience, um, that requires so much subtlety in how people would be part of a conversation to understand more about it in order to, to even grasp why I would use words like that. Because a lot of people seem, they seem like they think I'm just exaggerating and I don't really mean it. And if you look at the information from many survivors, you do find people talking about that. Um, And then you find a lot more people who are inhibited from talking about that for various reasons. And they don't have any safe place to express about it. But when that is the experience of, of so many people that I have talked to, for it not to also be a public point of frequent conversation would just be. Would just. That's a universe we're not going to have. Yeah, in. we
1: We definitely need to talk talk about it because if these places are supposed to prevent suicide, they shouldn't be pushing people towards committing suicide. <laughs> yeah. You know when the experience is terrible in the hospital. If you go into, like if I go into crisis today, I have nowhere to go. The only options I have are to go to the hospital to be tortured. And I've been tortured the last four times, I feel. Being held down by six big people and injected with substances that I don't want in my body, to me is torture. And so that that pushes that's really scary because it it gives you, you have essentially two options. You could kill yourself or you can go to the hospital.
0: Well, I think there's a lot of data about people killing themselves so they won't be taken back to the hospital. So once they get out, then they kill themselves so that they can't end up back there again. And my journey was was very particular in a lot of ways, but I sure do understand I sure do understand that.
1: It's the fear that is created. They've created such a fear in the person that that person no longer trusts anyone. And um, the police came into my house uh, twice, the last, last four times they came in twice and took me physically from my home. Um, I live in fear now because of that. I live in fear that they can come in at any time. I live in fear that they can drug me. I, I don't see it as a helping place anymore. For 15 years I did. Um, it was great to know that I could go there, But now, but I wasn't hurt in the hospital before. Now I've been hurt in the hospital, so that doesn't leave that as an option for me anymore. Um, so Can that's I why we ask? need options. We need options for people who have been harmed by the system, and um, they need to be options that will help the person and not hurt them further. Can, and to keep them from committing suicide.
0: And keep them from committing suicide in the most effective way, a way that would be effective right. at preventing suicide. Yeah. Which I think we all yeah. agree that's on. Um, I want to yeah, ask you if, if it wouldn't be getting, it, it might be an intense thing and we might want to save it for next time, but I'm very interested to ask you about what are your memories of the experiences of that shifting for you when you believed in the hospital and um, appreciated them? And then where did that change and it's probably a much longer conversation and, and I probably should only stay a few more minutes before going to my self-care. But I'm I'm really interested in how that shifted for you because I've been I've been recovering my memories of where things like that shifted for me. And it has really been a surprising process to me. That we just we always have more layers even than we think.
1: For me, it was because I was doing such a such a concerted effort to get off of the drugs. I wanted to be back where I had where I was completely off of the drugs, and so I went through the effort to get off of them. And I spent two years in withdrawals and and terrific, terrible withdrawals. Really
0: extreme. So and, um, People need to know how extreme it is.
1: And I didn't just withdraw from psychiatric. meds. I withdrew from my whole lifestyle. I was a huge I was 250 pounds. I was eating terrible food. Nothing good for me. Um, um I didn't have nutrition in my life. I didn't have um meditation. Wasn't doing the I didn't have new coping mechanisms. So it was it was a terrible time to through all of that without without real good help. So after 2 years of withdrawing to be forced back on the medications is what changed my mind. For them to to force me to take drugs just because I was in crisis and in my experience I've had I've had about 14 episodes and a few of them, I was able to go to sleep on my own, not go to the hospital. So, um, you know, I really wanted to do that. And when I was told I couldn't do that, I had to take these drugs. I had to appear for a monthly injection. And so it was like feeling like poison was putting, put into me every month. And I was doing all the research on coalition I had just begun coalition. I was really starting to see the science and the science was showing me that they don't know what they're doing they really don't know what these drugs what harmful parts of these drugs i mean granted the the um, the drugs may have helped me in the past but i'm I'm more than willing to go through um, symptoms of Imbalance. Um, I don't like to call it mental illness. I don't really believe in illness anymore. I believe that with problems in living and that those issues at a root level, not call people's brains imbalanced. Um, it was things that happened in my life. I lost my job. I lost my friends. I lost my house. I lost everything. The absence was of
0: trauma what- From the whole conversation Every time someone is declared to have Some inexplicable uh, uh, chemical, imbalance. chemical imbalance In the head Where they, they don't measure anyway Nobody's measuring it It's a theory That they haven't proven yep. Oh that hurts my head Ow Yeah wow I had, a, I had something else I was going to say But that's a whammy that's a whammy. Yeah,
1: the chemical imbalance theory. When I found that out, that was part of also what changed my mind. Um, I, I re- recognized how imbalanced I was. I was. A, I lived a very toxic life, a lifestyle. Um, I had so many toxins in my system, including the psychiatric meds. So when I cleaned all those out and I got all those, got rid of all those, I started to experience balance again. But then, uh, then another episode came along because I, I had um, a new boyfriend in my life and we were experiencing a lot of issues about whether or not to have children. And I, I ended up breaking down or breaking through, <laughs> I like to say. I had a psychospiritual crisis again and that's when the force started. And I couldn't believe that they would force me to do a healing method that... It basically just countered my own. I was doing everything possible. I was seeing a chiropractor, an acupuncturist. I was doing meditation. I was eating right. I was taking all um, nutrition that I needed. I was eating vegetarian, GMO-free, organic food. Clear water, clean water that I hauled from out, spring myself. I was oh my. doing many things.
0: I want to do that. I want to haul water. Come
1: in and say you. Can- Say that again. I, I, I,
0: I am, I am envious of your your hauling water from a spring experience. I, I, I was you. You were starting to get choppy again, um, but the the list of wonderful things one can do to support one's body, and how amazing that is. Not just there's a lot. We- there's so much that's amazing about it, um, and. And in contrast to that, doctors, policymakers, they say that they are talking about science, but that proves to us they haven't looked at the science because if they were looking at the science of these psychiatric interventions, they would be finding some terrible gaps Um, terrible questions, terrible experiences that people are having. And the fact that that's still going on very robustly in the world now is something I didn't know before at all. I thought that's in the past. We don't do that now. And we absolutely do do it now. And there are arguments to be made that the things we are doing now are so much worse than anything that we've, that we've really talked about, about history. Like some of this stuff, um, I guess the word is insidious, but I got to kind of smile when I say it. Oh, that's a grimace. Um, insidious. It, it, um, it's not, it's not as basic or out in the open it's masquerading as a number of different things and it requires the, the, the societally acceptable silencing of a lot of very harmed and abused people uh, in order to keep up this idea that we are, that we, we believe in science is great. I would love that. I would love to really believe in silence science. Let's, let's, there's a science not silence rhyme here somewhere that I'll try to let go of right now. Um, I want to ask you if you're familiar with Jim Van
1: Os. I have, um, he's working with getting the, the word schizophrenia out our lingo, right? He to, or at least that's what I remember of him is his quote that schizophrenia does not exist. He was also, used his for I, one of the memes. Uh-uh.
0: I think. I think uh, the episode of Madness Radio where I heard Will Hall interview Dr. Jim Van Os. Um, th- I think he was talking about schizophrenia, and he was also talking about. Um, he was talking about communities. It, I thought it sounded like there was a specific community he was working with. And I have always wanted to try and find out what that was. Um, It's been some years since I listened to that episode. Um, He was talking about a community where people with lived experience were receiving stipends just for living there and being in caring community with others who had survived challenging things. And I don't think he even said much about it. But when I went looking, I had all of the I still have many of the same neurological injuries um, and it it has been challenging. There is an additional language barrier that I haven't figured out yet. And um, I I just to keep asking people if they're familiar with that, because we're talking about the subject of intuitive social centers, which we have brought up in the past here before. Um, and intuitive social living and the ways that human beings are around one another in productive, caring, creative, collaborative, healing, resilient ways that, 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 that really, they heal trauma. That would be a good idea, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. Words. That's what we, that's what we need. We need real help. For people who are tries uh, we don't drug band-aids um, we need we need support we need to communicate um, we need to be heard when we communicate not just said you know you're talking nonsense we need to drug you we need to let people speak let people say that you know whether or not they agree with their treatment informed choice is not being followed i was not given a choice i was injected against my will screaming don't inject me please don't make me go back on these drugs that i have worked so hard to get off of. and now you're forcing more drugs into my system and you're you're doing it for long term Um, these drugs shouldn't be on, you shouldn't be on these long term. I, myself, I know we were going to talk about, um, Zyprexa a little bit. I am currently now pre-diabetic because of these, because of Zyprexa. Zyprexa is known to cause diabetes and I have pre-diabetes now when I have never been diabetic in my life and because of this forced drug i am now getting a disease
0: yeah a a drug that there is more and more emerging information about um in regards to uh, how i'm i want to reference jim gotstein's book the zyprexa papers and my brain is crashing so i'm not going to try to do it right now but we have upcoming conversations about zyprexa which also figures in interesting ways into my whole thing, which I will say about another time <laughs> when my brain isn't crashing. Um, but uh, the, that sounds good. the information that's emerging about it is not dissimilar from a lot of other pharmaceuticals where it seems that capitalism has gotten the better of what should be caring community supportive business processes and what's being produced and the policies being made about them—they're um, not based on accurate information. And as we have more accurate information from Jim Gottstein, and um, there might there's something else pinging my brain about about Zyprexa specifically, also about Abilify, um, which we've talked about briefly in the past, um, and. Uh, the stuff that, that is out there um, is really backed up when people look at it, but it's hard to know how to talk about it when nobody's talking about it. So the more we try, the more the conversation will be easy for others to participate in. And a, a lot of suffering people who don't have voices at all might have a chance to self-advocate and know what words to use to keep themselves out of situations or extract themselves from situations. So thank you very, very much for sharing. So you share so much. Um, I will put the link. Oh, um, intuitive.pub slash text has the broadcast document that we're keeping notes in for the broadcast today. So anybody can visit intuitive.pub slash text scroll um click click the broadcast document scroll down to like i don't know it's the middle or near the end right now and i'm going to make sure that there's a link to the facebook uh the, is it a page or is it a group it's a page i think it's um, just a
1: page. Um, uh, nobody that. can really post on it too much but i it, people send me links and i share what they send me you you um, put a I beautiful
0: a artwork that That you put together, and um the the quotes and the 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 links that you are gathering are so important, and it represents a huge amount of work and so what you're sharing with the world, I don't know how how obvious it is to other people, but it is it's meaningful to me and I had a program a while back while I was practicing through brain damage to do this, <laughs> and I said. I said this program, I don't remember, it's in a transcript somewhere on, on on the website. I said, this program is brought to you by the Coalition to End Forced Psychiatric Drugging because literally like there are there are a bunch of situations in which I don't know if I would have had information I really needed if I hadn't known to go to your page because I remembered what I needed there. That's, and that's why I did. multiple times. So I just want to make a big deal of those statements for a minute because they're a big. It's a big deal, and um, so I appreciate. I'm making a big deal of of you sharing, and I'm appreciating you sharing. And those are my words.
1: Thank you. When I when I started it, I did it because there was so much information out there, but it's spread across sites. You know, we've got Mind Freedom. We have. Um, we have a intercompass tapering project. There's so many people out there now, and I wanted to pull it all together and make a database so that somebody new coming in, somebody first labeled can, can get there and look into this and, and see all of the writings and all the people. There's so many different people that are involved in this movement, and I wanted to make it easy, accessible, um, you can find, you know. I, I wish it was. I wish it was better. I wish there was a. I could make it into a website. You could do searches and stuff. But we
0: we've been collaborating building web pages. So if we can help in any way building web pages, we may have we may have tool sets or something or or, or hands. I have hands. And sometimes I can help other people and I really like to help other people. <laughs> I can help other people. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I like talking about building web pages very much. Um, I will get the link to the Coalition to End Forced Psychiatric Drugging into that document. Actually, I think it's there already. I'll try to put it some other places too. And let me know when you might be in the internet neighborhood again to stop by the recording studio broadcast room Um, because, you know, it's been choppy, but we managed. I'm really glad that we tried because a big part of it, we were able to hear and understand each other.
1: I'm very happy you got a hold of me and I'm willing to do this anytime you want. I can do this anytime.
0: I'm so excited. I'm going to go take care of myself. I hope you have a wonderful wonderful day. Everybody who is watching or listening to this program, navigate to facebook.com/sisucreative23. Which I just said from memory. Thank you, you are very very, very,
1: thank you. very so
0: much. And thank you to Phil Custi. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You also. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.